was out, you're crazy, this doesn't make any sense, I don't understand it, you're too early. So really when you're kind of onto something like that and there are people at the door saying those things, it's important to really kind of figure out if you truly believe it in your gut. And if you do, then you don't really need other people to tell you whether or not you understand something or believe in something. listening to Hustle Harder, a podcast that gives a no-bullshit approach to startups in the creative industries. We interview creatives while discussing the challenges and failures of the day-to-day grind. I'm Steph with Ali and Britt today, and our guest is Adam Goldman. Thanks for being on the air with us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here uh, in the studio with you guys, and uh, I'm happy to uh, discuss the agenda today. So now we're going to take some time to thank our fabulous sponsor, We Create Media. They have created all of our podcast music with our jingle and the music that you're listening to right now. They're truly amazing, so check them out at We Create with a K and a 3, just to make things a tiny bit more confusing. So tell us a bit more about how you started off in the crypto industry. Well, that's a great question. I almost don't even know where to begin. But uh, let's say that uh, it really starts for me with uh, one of my current colleagues. We uh, we took an interest to crypto in about 2014, um, kind of had an understanding of uh, how uh, this is uh, going to be a disruptive technology. And uh, what we did was uh, begin to look for examples of different businesses that might be of interest to us. So um, after a quick bit of research, we discovered uh, a pretty simple buying service um, that might be a good model for us to develop something on. And uh, we went and did just that. The story continues, of course, through the ups and downs of the industry itself. Uh, during that time, Bitcoin was trading at around two to three hundred dollars U.S., um, and it really began to take off um, in 2015. There was uh, quite a bit of notoriety with some significant events in the industry, including uh, Mt. Gox, which had come earlier but was beginning to be worked through. Um, so Mt. Gox was an exchange that was uh, hacked, uh, for lack of a better explanation, uh, poorly implemented as far as all the security measures that would have protected all of their customer assets. Um, And uh, I just knew that there was a certain buzz around it. Um, So I continued on through. I did have to um, supplement my own income with uh, doing several jobs along the way while I had built the product, um, as well as uh, joining forces with several different partners um, and uh, backers. So um, as that uh, sort of manifested itself in which direction to head and with who, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's very important that... uh, it's not really what you're doing all the time, and it's who's on your team, so who's capable. Um, so that was a decision that I had to make, and uh, I had sought out a new partnership group, and that had allowed the business to continue on its journey um, through the Canadian crypto space and setting up shop and making sure that all of its uh, infrastructure was available to, to run. 
Um, so recently, uh, the business was uh, acquired in January of this year by private equity, and um, we are preparing to scale the business and uh, expand into several different markets around the world. Tell us a bit more about the journey when you first got started. So you talk about having the ups and the downs and working multiple jobs. How did you find the energy to continue your side gig? So I think uh, it's a combination of passion uh, along with reality. Um, So of course, great ideas don't necessarily begin to pay the bills until they are validated, um, at least as a step one. It's, it's quite a challenge to be able to juggle that and um, sort of manage how you can survive while you're spending your extra resources at building whatever it is you're working on. So I think it was just uh, occupying my, my spare time, my free time, uh, with, with learning what it was I could do in order to further my knowledge in the space, um, further my knowledge about the technology, and also uh, map out a, a strategy and a roadmap with uh, with my partners. There's a lot of self-sacrifice that has to be made, um, and uh, most people will uh, laugh if it's something that can't be understood. I mean, this cycle is uh, is very repetitive in history. Uh, recently, you can look at the Canadian medical marijuana space as a great example. I remember uh, in my earlier years, uh, in this past 10-year cycle, uh, as I'm 30, I'm not very old, but you know, that has a whole set of jokes itself. Uh, anyways, I, I did notice, uh, when that industry and market was beginning to take off, there were a lot of people telling their stories, telling everyone how the science is there, uh, and that it's, uh, it's the future. And it was the same response that, that, that we got in the crypto. It was, oh, you're crazy. This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. You're too early. So really when you're kind of onto something like that, and there are people at the door saying those things, it's important to really kind of figure out if you truly believe it in your gut. And if you do, then you don't really need other people to tell you whether or not you understand something or believe in something. And then you talk about partnerships a lot and how like they're so important. What do you look and look for in the partnership? I think that it's it's very important, number one, to determine one's attitude, uh, because I think no matter what your skill set is or your credentials may be, if you do possess a good attitude, it shows a willingness and it does show a little bit of that passion that you might be able to learn or adapt to something. The biggest thing in partnerships with other people is is sort of establishing mutual Uh, end goals and obviously having a high level of trust. That's one thing that you either do or you don't do when you get into a partnership with somebody is trust and you have to take the dive. It's 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 a risk, but uh, you can never do it yourself. So you need to you need to do those For things. Sure. Yeah. What I really like that you keep touching on is the passion aspect, because I think that a lot of people assume when people start companies that they're in it for the money. But the reality is that you're usually spending years with barely any income, with people telling you you can't do it, that it's not going to work, and the only thing really getting you through the day-to-day is like you still having that passion for it. And that's what I like that you also look for in your teammates, because I think that's having that there is so important in entrepreneurship especially. And yeah, I just, I like that you touch on that a lot. It's a very strong human uh, trait 
that uh, that we can possess. And so it's very telling if you know what that looks like um, to see good attitude, positive energy, things like that. And I know these are more philosophical things than directly specific related to entrepreneurship, but they're they're totally relevant. Uh, I mean, that's why corporations have developed, you know, human resource departments and organizations in order to make sure that the different types of people are all well represented and protected. And, and so it's good to see um, uh, passion in people. Uh, I think passion is also something that isn't just necessarily there from the start. So once you kind of peel back the layers on any interest you may have about something, that may actually turn the dial up for someone's passion. So it's like the light bulb going off, the eureka moment that somebody can uh, experience. And I've been fortunate um, enough over the course of my life to have some great teachers all the way from high school until, you know, non-schooling mentors that have been able to, quote unquote, show me the light. You always just got to keep learning. Um, so, so, so attitude is step one. I think attitude kind of addresses the person you're looking at just as a whole. And then it's like, okay, how hard do you work? What are you into? What is, what is your skill set? Are you, uh, beyond a nine to five? Are you going to get up on the mornings? Are you going to show up when we, when, when you're beyond what's required on paper? I think those are also important aspects in the beginning stage of the journey, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, in the beginning, you think, oh, I'm just going to do it myself. And OK, now I need some help and slow. But, you know, it's better in the beginning from my own experience to kind of build up a good team in the beginning, if you can, because then you're not struggling. And uh, as you were saying earlier, um, you know, it's it's only so familiar to me when you say that, you uh, um, you know, it's important to be in it for the passion and, and not the money, because I can tell you for being in the space for, for about five years, uh, we really didn't make any money until uh, the the end of said journey. And, and that's just beginning now. And so you have to you have to be willing to carry yourself through that period and, and whatever that comes with the frustration of, you know, just getting whatever you can get while you're working on your project from your side jobs, from your main jobs. Maybe you have to put your project on hold because you need a main job. And, you know, I've gone through those cycles and it's it's definitely tough. It's 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 really important to be organized from the get-go because if you're not, uh, then you just have lots of mess to clean up. Something that I really like that you're touching on is uh, the culture aspect. And I think in startups, it's really important to have that type of culture. And I like how you said that you should be building this team from the beginning because that's something that I know we've all talked about and we talk about now like all the time as we're like starting to build a stronger team. Something that I think is interesting about passion is when you're building the team, almost developing entrepreneurs underneath you inside of the project. So that way they have that aha moment that you're talking about. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you practice when you hire someone else is giving them their own projects to own and um, call like step back and say, wow, I did that? Or is it more saying, okay, this is what I need you to do and having them just fall in love with the overall project itself? Absolutely. I believe in that philosophy. Uh, it, it aligns with some other philosophies that I believe in. Um, interestingly enough, one of them is an ancient old Jewish philosophy from Tikkun Olam. It's to help someone help themselves as opposed to just giving someone something. So, 
that is something that I do believe in. And I do believe in that when I'm working with colleagues and sort of being able to arm them with the knowledge, um, the skill set, maybe the thought process of being able to get to that level of owning the project. Um, and yes, I, I, I firmly believe that somebody um, is better off demonstrating their capabilities through uh, walking the walk than talking the talk. And it's important that somebody fails uh, as you try to go for all the wins in your life. Because if you don't know what that tastes like, then, um, you know, that can cause many problems down the road for how you may react to some unfortunate event that unfolds. Totally agree. I once someone told me a long time ago when we first started doing the Meg that the entrepreneur's job is to get back up. And I truly believe that. I mean, ever since he said that, I, when I first heard it, when I was just starting, I was like, ah, okay, like whatever. But it's something that I've noticed has been holding true since like throughout our journey. And I think it can be applied to anyone and everyone that we've talked to, I think has like a very similar philosophy, which is really interesting about the entrepreneurial mindset in general. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely can be related to a type of warrior mentality, I guess. Um, I, I kind of like the way that sounds, um, yeah. even though I wouldn't, yeah, you know, like to define myself as such holy. But uh, but it's important that that you go for it, that you're you're willing to go get it. And, um, you know, you take an attitude that's uh, kind of no matter what it takes, uh, because that that really demonstrates who you are and 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 how you as a person can grow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the time when you're going through entrepreneurship, you just keep doing more and more and you finally take a step back and you're like, holy shit, like this is everything that I've done. And I didn't even notice as I was doing it. And that's such a, an amazing experience. I'm, I'm kind of going through a bit of that actually right now. Um, and <laughs> You're in your holy shit moment. It, it, it's, it's quite remarkable. You can, you know, one thing, uh, too, is that you can never let it get to your head. Um, I think uh, ego is a very powerful trait, uh, but usually it has uh, negative associations because most people don't wield it for uh, any good um, and uh, or or maybe not good, but for a selfish reason. And 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 if you can use tools like ego and judgment, which are associated as strong negative things, and turn them into good um, elements for you to uh, you know guide things forward, I think that's when you kind of begin to understand uh, a lot about uh, how to. move you know, join moving pieces and navigate through difficult times. Uh, you know, I have more of a tech and a history and a political background. Um, and uh, with the help of my colleagues sitting next to me, I've been able to go through a financial audit. Um, and that is, uh, I can't even begin to describe what that feels like and how that uh, is done. And it's a very uh, professional high level of, of doing things and uh, there's lots of moving parts and lots of people and uh, it's it's a very good experience to go through it no matter how you feel about it while you're doing it definitely feels great afterwards but all these things that you can go through in your life it's just a learning experience and if you know that you're going to learn until you're gone then you're just going to sort of build up all these you know superpowers if you consider yourself a, a superhero in a sense and and you have to as an entrepreneur because that's really really what I'm trying to say is that's your confidence right even when somebody tells you no you're wrong if you know you're right then you're not wrong 
But you have to also always be willing to admit that you're wrong as well, because this comes into interacting with a team of people. Um, and, and that's where you got to leave things like ego and judgment on a, on a different field when you start working with other people. Turning the tables a little bit, in terms of creativity, something that we really focus on in the mag is we really try to focus on startups, specifically in the creative industries, which I know crypto and tech, I mean, most people probably wouldn't assume that it's creative, right? Because there's all of these numbers and moving parts that, frankly, I don't even totally understand. Can you tell us a bit more about why it is creative? Absolutely. So um, with any new technology that comes on the scene, um, you know, it'll go through its own journey of being around for us. So, for example, when the Internet first came out, all the links on the internet were slow and we were using dial-up and it was very excruciating. And But at the time, everybody was like, wow, this is the best we got. And uh, we've got guys working on new stuff. Uh, and, and here we are today in 2018 where we have fiber optic telecommunications in our condos and our university residences and, and uh, information exchange has been able to foster um, so much more um, productivity. And so... As it relates to crypto, because crypto, the crypto industry is early, let's say that it's uh, just about a decade old at this point, um, it's in a very early stage where it needs its innovation and its revisions and its weeding out of what works and doesn't work. And um, there lies a requirement to be creative. Uh, because as you navigate through, uh, and let's say uh, in most countries at the present moment, we're in an unregulated uh, crypto, crypto industry. And so that presents a lot of challenges because you will have to make a decision uh, how you're going to operate in such an environment and what are you going to do when the environment changes. So you're always on your toes and you're always have, having to be creative, both from a business perspective and from a tech perspective. I think even more so from a tech perspective because of the early stage that it's in. There just simply isn't um, as much uh, evolution uh, as there has been for the internet. And that's simply just a, 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 a factor of the time and age of the industry. So um, the most successful projects that are coming that are centered around blockchain are, are highly creative at solving challenges and problems and connecting things together and uh, using new ways to um, basically increase our workflows and make sure everything is accurate and transparent and um, there's a big security component to using mathematics. And so even though crypto is very math and numbers based, as you said, um, the implication of using that stuff is very understandable um, by the masses. And just to touch on that, um, I, I believe heavily in the individual as a, as a personal philosophy. And so in an age where we're all exchanging information over computer systems and mobile phones and the internet and things like that, um, it's not, we're not able to guarantee that it's, uh, it's the same as having a private conversation with somebody. And so what this type of technology does is give us sort of that liberty back on the digital realm uh, because we're using mathematics in such a way to protect the integrity of all this communication and, and information exchange. And so that is really um, something that, you know, pretty much gives me goosebumps every time I talk about it um, because that is is 
is how a convergence of of human philosophy that has helped you know navigate governments of the world and things like that mashing itself into the technology standard of the world. And so I like that. Uh, I think that means a lot for the individual, um, that there's going to be a lot more um, guarantees possible, safety and security that exists when you go on the web. That's huge, in my opinion. So how do you think creativity personally impacts your day-to-day workflow? So um, I uh, I focus a lot on the at the company on uh, on product. Uh, so I work with the chief technical officer and the lead architect on creating strategies, developing products, um, and that requires thinking outside the box, uh, identifying areas in the industry where there's definitely challenges that you know any participant experiences while using a multitude of services infrastructure. Um, so for example, being in an unregulated industry does not necessarily protect a consumer as well as it would in a regulated. Now, I feel two ways about that, uh, given what I just said about individuals and, and individual liberty. But I do think it's important that in order for something the size of a, a global industry, there does need to be some sort of standardization uh, in order to make sure that everything kind of begins at least in the same place. Um, and so... It's uh, it's very important to just be aware of, you know, a multitude of things that you don't even think about on a day to day basis, which requires you to be creative personally. And uh, I think um, also just, you know, if you get an idea while you're doing things and no matter where you are, my father taught me this, just write everything down. Um, So it's important to, you know, think about things even while you're not in your work environment, because you may not be able to have those thoughts about work. Uh, while you're in your work environment. So I think going places, experiencing things, still paying attention to my personal interests are important in in allowing me to be who I am, which allows me to do what I do. And, um, you know, I have a multitude of interests from sports and technology and histories and philosophies. And you always got to make a little bit of time for those for yourself or you you begin to not be yourself. Um, So I think that that's kind of part of my creativity process is paying attention to my personal uh, interests uh, as much as I can while I juggle the 300 mile per hour pace (laughs) that we're moving at. I think one of the most interesting things that you just said is the writing things down even when it's not in your work environment because something that we've noticed from talking to like a ton of different creatives whether that's a photographer or a graphic designer or even just like a musical artist or even a dancer is they gain inspiration from walking around and just from their everyday surroundings Um, and I think it's really interesting that you're able to relate your everyday surroundings to what you do and so it does give that same level it's like we're all on the same playing field so I think it's really cool that you're able to grab inspiration from like even let's say walking down the street so i i could actually give you a recent example of that um i'm i'm very into technology and hardware and computers and devices and physical technology items uh, that relate to the web and the internet and high technology so um recently i um i did some reorganization of how my internet connection comes into my condo uh, and it's extremely overkill um but it's a it's 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 a it's a problem that I said I had. I mapped out a plan and a strategy for it. I completed it, and I like looking at it now. It's just a series of boxes and cables, but it's all clean. It's not a mess, and and 
you know, I know it's maybe hard to uh, hear in, in my explanation, but looking at what I did and the feeling that I got, and this task took me an hour or two uh, over the course of a couple of days, um, kind of relates to what I was saying earlier about being myself because I went into the office the next day and and myself and the tech team, we kind of came up with uh, three ideas, one of which actually solves an internal problem uh, as well as potentially being a product for the masses. So it's just funny how unrelated things that you do and look at and visualize and that relates to the creative process is simply looking and observing and taking things in, um, you know, looking at cleanly routed wires and stuff actually shows me a map in my head and so when if I need to think about another idea I can look at it like a map if I want to look at it like that for one example so um I, I just I just think it's uh it's uh, it's as equally evident that the creative process is available for those industries that you may not think so. Even in finance and, you know, auditors and accountants are quite creative. And this relates to a little bit of the holy shit moment we've all been talking about. Um, but but it's very interesting that that it, ju- it doesn't apply only solely to the arts. Um, um, the, the, the technical realm, the business realm requires, I would say, an equal amount of creativity in order to be productive and successful. Something that I want to touch on with what you said is taking time to be yourself and have time for yourself, which I think is so important. But I think that a lot of people tend to feel guilty when they do that, um, if they're not putting it into their company and focusing only on that. And I think that it's a great reminder to show that you can still be yourself and do things that you enjoy and it will relate because you will bring new ideas and new creativity and innovation to the company by having time for yourself. And I think that that's just a really great reminder for everyone who's listening. Yeah, I I, I totally agree and, and couldn't restress it more that... Uh you know, when you when you first meet somebody uh, and you develop a relationship and the relation, the feeling is mutual that, you know, you're, you like the other person. And, and I'm, I'm talking about platonic relationships, business relationships. Um, you know, usually you like someone because of who they are and what they do and their energy and how they talk to you and carry themselves. And so as it relates to your personal interests, I think you become someone who can show all those traits when you are your own person, not just in the respects of entrepreneurship, but your personal interests. And and if you stop doing those things, there's a high probability that you stop being that person that was met at the beginning of the relationship, which may be a detriment to the relationship. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's important. I, I totally understand the, the guilty pleasure part. Um, I mean, that comes down to how bad do you want it? Uh, and obviously, um, you know, if you want to play hard, then you should be working hard. Um, but uh, if it's hard in the beginning to kind of figure out how much time you want to allot for yourself and that because, you know, we're, we're all emotional people from time to time. And, uh, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta take that Rocky Balboa, you know, always fighting, never give up mentality, uh, and, and keep swinging even when they're, they're hitting you. And that includes a bit of the selfish paying attention to your personal interests, because if you don't, 
then you won't be yourself. You'll be something else. And that's not to say that we don't change as human beings, but, you know, things that make you feel a certain way that you're interested, you may have none of those things in your work environment. And so if you stop having that experience in your life, then I love it's how, like, philosophical you're talking. You're, like, oh, yeah. talking about work, and then you're also talking about, like, how work relates to, like, the individual and, like, the human being and how you're feeling, you know? And you have to, like, take in everything into account into, like, your work life and your personal interests and it's like, I don't know, it's like really amazing to hear. Well, I thank you for that. I'm chirping myself here. I'm, I'm really not trying to be uh, giving a pep talk here, but I guess it's morphed into one. Um, so for the audience, I apologize. Something that I do want to touch on, though, is obviously you've been at this for quite a while now and you have worked incredibly hard and your brain doesn't shut off. How do you not get burnt out? Good question. Um, I think that as much as everybody who might be put on the pedestal that you just put me on would like to say that uh, we don't burn out, uh, you got to admit that you can burn out and identify when you are burning out so that you take a step to address it. Um, so that may require uh, stepping back for a minute. Um, obviously, that that scenario is different depending on what it is you do for a living and, and how your organization might be structured. Um, but it's it's really amazing what a, a few hours to yourself, and this relates to another theme we've been talking about, really does for you to not burn out. And uh, it, it almost can have the, the effect of giving you a, a second wind. So you got to figure out how you can just get your second winds when you begin to burn out. Um, one great thing that... Uh, uh, that actually I'm going to throw myself under the bus a little bit for being a few years late on a, on a well-known social meme, the DJ Khaled memes, the, the motivational <laughs> inspiration memes. Uh, my colleague and I, um, sitting next to me here, Dean Skirka, who's our VP of finance, um, we um, have used the power of such memes um, through the bitter times that we've experienced while going through a lot of uh, rough, uh, hard, uh, and diligent financial um, projects in the company uh, and and it's it's uh it's very interesting to see that power, even as an internet guy and a tech guy, and, and I'm only 30 years old, so it's not like I didn't see the meme when it came out, but you know, to to see how something so minute can change the energy between people or how you feel about something is quite remarkable. And I just, I thought I would share that because, you know, everybody needs a, you know, a little bit of a pat on the back or a happy moment or a laugh in the middle of a horrible moment. You need to do that. It works. It, it works to, uh, to try to insert humor and, and comedy in order to diffuse a, a situation that might be tense or things like that. That's something I've just done you know, with friends and family my whole life. And um, it's just kind of a funny story. I'm four years late to the DJ Khaled meme. <laughs> In terms of the creativity aspect that we were talking about, how do you feel that that just in general like feeds innovation? So I think, um, and this can kind of relate to another word we were talking, like you can, when you're going through the creative process, whatever that looks like for you, uh, I think that's where you actually have a lot of holy shit moments uh, and eureka moments. And so, um, you know, I, I recall when I was, I, I, I love hockey and I used to play hockey when I was a kid, go figure, I'm Canadian. Uh, and, um, you know, I would watch the Mighty Ducks movies 
And then after the movie was done, I'd get so pumped up that I put my rollerblades on and grab the garbage can, go on the street and just shoot the ball in the in the garbage can. And so I think when you begin to discover yourself and you know who you are and what your passions and interests are, you can ignite your creative process from your personal interests. Uh, and I and I try to do that a lot. Um, so, you know, one example is uh, I mentioned earlier, I love technology, hardware, all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of that stuff doesn't really relate so much to my business, but I can go and work on, let's say, a personal project like the one I described with my internet connection. And then it kind of gets these juices flowing for me where I like jump into the room with my tech team and I go, hey, like I was looking at 10 wires going this way and that way. And now I have a great idea. Um, you know, that is is something that I try to look for all the time. And um you know, another it could be as simple as listening to music that you like. Um, you know, that's another thing that my colleague and I have done uh, is is put on you know great sets and playlists that kind of put you in the zone uh, and really allow you to focus on what would otherwise be some pretty mundane and crude work. Um, and so, you know. That's kind of an environment thing, right? So, you know, you look at companies like Yahoo, Google, all the top Fortune 500 tech companies. If you've ever been in their offices, I mean, it's like a play place. You've got ping pong tables, catered food, everything like that. And the goal is that, you know, they want you to be comfortable in your environment to ignite all those creative processes, productivity processes. And and uh, it, as it relates to, you know, working on your own company, it's important to, you know, take your team out for dinners and have funny moments and go, hey, look at this squirrel that's being attacked by a pigeon out back. And, you know, I, you know, just to, to sort of change the level and the environment and the energy. Um, and I, I think that just really helps. So a lot of people hear and say that cryptocurrency and blockchain are, there's such a huge innovation. Um, and what sort of is your definition of innovation? So I would say, that, first of all, that's a great question. Um, you know, innovation is is really um, hard to define in the beginning of anything. But if we, let's say, take some specific examples in the industry, um, the first successful example of a blockchain, blockchain technology is Bitcoin. Um, and Bitcoin solved a multitude of challenges like exchanging value uh, over the internet, potentially being another payment method or currency. Um, but then came along another product, which was founded here in Toronto called Ethereum. And Ethereum, while being a blockchain uh, project as well, aimed to solve uh, another set of challenges uh, way beyond a, a financial application. It's really uh, a good example of innovation from a very initial limited example that most people would have used to look at as to how to innovate something next. Um, so I thought it was quite a big leap from uh, what Bitcoin's uh, problems were um, what the problems that Bitcoin solved was versus what the problems that Ethereum has solved. Innovation uh, simply takes time uh, and it takes smart minds and people coming together. Um, and that's very, very evident in the crypto space uh, because those are just two examples of thousands. Um, so last question for you. I mean, just after listening to you talk for the past hour, like I'm so curious, what do you think the future is going to look like in the next 10 years? Wow. I've never been asked that question. Uh, that's a great question because I've always sought to ask that question. 
I think a good place to look just from a technology perspective is to pay attention to what the military of the Western worlds are doing, because usually the technologies that they develop, uh, experience and play with do eventually get commercialized after they're done solving the challenge uh, or uh, that that the military required to build such a product. So, for example, um, you know, drones have been around for quite a long time. But, you know, if you go to any corner store, you can buy a little RC drone for $50 all the way to Target uh, and Best Buy and every every place. So that's basically a commercialized military technology. Um, so it's not too hard to, to, to see where we'll be in 10 years from a technology standpoint. I, I wouldn't put us on the, you know, hopes and dreams that our parents may have had when they would have watched uh, Space Odyssey and then went, oh, by 2000, we're going to have flying cars and things like that you know they're not, they weren't half wrong because we did get to drones and all this quite interesting technology and now the private sector is building spaceships and amazon has a program and elon musk has a program and um you know a lot of inf- innovation is coming from there so i would just say that a lot of the things we do now are just going to be faster cleaner better um, it's it's pretty well mapped out what the next 10 years would look like from the internet perspective. Uh, I think with the arrival of blockchain technology on the scene, um, there will be a heavy focus on um, redesigning or developing existing world infrastructure to use that technology because it's so revolutionary. Uh, and, and in 10 years from now, blockchains might be the standard um, for protecting, securing, and logging very important information by governments, banks, healthcare providers, research companies, uh, and the list goes on. Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting with us today. It was a pleasure to have you. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure to be here and I uh, hope to do it again.